Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. We sometimes need permission to look after ourselves. When it's someone else, it seems totally fine, but it really wasn't until I stopped on behalf of someone else that I could see that I needed to heal. Hi Tribe, I just wanna take a moment to say thank you today. Thank you for being here. I know how important your time is, and I feel so completely honored to be in your ear right now. This podcast has brought me closer to so many amazing humans in this world, and I'm so grateful for the people who have been on this show, including today's guest, Hallie Merkowitz. And there are more of us little foot soldiers out there speaking our truth and creating change than I even realized. And together, we can create massive change in this world and in the conversation surrounding healing chronic illness. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now I want to introduce you to today's guest, Hallie. She is an entrepreneur, author, teacher, and transformational coach from New York City. And through her personal journey and unique childhood experiences, Hallie developed a passion for women's work and advocacy in holistic health and the period space. More recently, she founded her company called Lunar Wild, who I just ordered from right after this interview today. And their mission is to support and celebrate young women as they approach the onset of their first menstruation. So today you'll hear Hallie and I talk about her experience with Lyme disease, the emotional side of healing, and so much more. Let's do this. Hi, Hallie. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me, Sarah. 
I am so excited to have you. And in preparing for this interview, you told me a little bit about how you had been diagnosed with Lyme disease and that you also had this pretty interesting vision quest in the desert. So I am just like on the edge of my seat waiting to hear about this. Can you tell us a little bit about diagnosis and this vision quest, how those, those actually go together? I know a lot of our listeners also struggle with Lyme, so I know they're going to love this episode. <laughs> Great. Yeah, absolutely. So I was diagnosed with Lyme in December of 2016. Okay. Um, I hadn't been feeling the greatest and I, it was just an intuition. Um, I never had a bite, you know, a lot of people with, well, I'm sure I did have a bite or, but I, I never had the bullseye. Um, but there was just something in me that was like, go get a blood test and ask them to put Lyme serology on there because it's not actually something that's part of a standard blood test. So something in me said, get this checked out. And sure enough, two weeks later, the results came back and it was positive. And hearing news like that, especially surrounding something like Lyme's where it's still pretty elusive and mysterious and doctors don't really have a lot to offer you right away. It's pretty scary. And um, I didn't really know what that all meant. I had to learn what it was. And I, at the same time, this was compounded because I was in a transition to a new job and my energy levels were just so low yet. I was trying to will myself to just keep up with the pace. And, um, so yeah, that, that, is, that is the beginning of my diagnosis story. I personally went on one round of doxycycline, but I come from a very holistic background and I really pretty much for my whole life never really went on antibiotics if, unless it was like an emergency. I've always been trying to take the holistic route. So I even struggled with that decision. Like, should I take the, this prescription or not? And what are the risks if I do or if I don't? And also supplementing what I was doing with a lot of holistic healing as well. But yeah. um, as far as Vision Quest, I don't know if you want to dive right into that. I want to um, know about how you intuitively asked for them to test for Lyme. So were you having symptoms or was your intuition just really strong and saying, you know, I just had this little inkling. Yeah, um, I was, I guess in the work that I was doing, I was nannying and um, there were some people in that circle who also, um, I guess I was just hearing a lot about Lyme recently. You know how sometimes the universe just gives us whisperings about things that just come, mm. come back? And so... I was hearing a lot about Lyme and I was hearing people share their symptoms or challenges of what that was and where I am in New York, um, not necessarily the city, but you know, upstate where I'm from, there's, there are a lot of ticks. And I just thought, you know, maybe this is something that has been dormant in me that is now just awakening because I was experiencing such extreme fatigue. Like I mentioned, I was waking up with these insane headaches every day. I was watching my muscle tone waste away and my body just get super inflamed. It would be like having an intense allergy every day and I would wake up and underneath my chin was just swollen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I thought, yeah, um, let's check this out. Yeah. 
one of my very best friends is also diagnosed Lyme disease and it has been very elusive for her. It's just like this thing, it's almost like she's hunting it down. It, like, like trying to figure out all the different ways that it has affected her, her physical body, but also as we'll speak a little bit more about like also the emotional energetic side of, of your well-being. But so on, what have you found to be some of the most helpful things as far as like the supplements or the, on the physical side of healing? for your Lyme? Well, a lot of it has been honoring the emotional process. Um, but physically speaking, different things that I've tried that I've found really effective. I've tried essentially everything. I immediately switched my diet over to more of a paleo sort of diet. I cut out a lot of dairy though. Actually, I went non-dairy. I went gluten-free. I cut out alcohol and caffeine. I started drinking a lot more water. And these were just things that I slowly identified that would make my body have what I call flare-ups. Like after I would eat dairy, I would feel much more swollen, much more tired. I felt like I was feeding something inside of me when I would have these things. Yeah. So I just cut them out um, not to necessarily get better, but just to stop the flare-ups from getting worse. Yeah. So I started with diet, and then I started um, going in the far infrared sauna, and I found this to be one of the most. That was when my healing really took a giant step forward, is because I was blessed to have access to an infrared sauna for. I went in almost every day for probably eight weeks. Wow. And I would sweat intensely for like 45 minutes to an hour. I never wanted to go in. I was always like tired and didn't, didn't feel like it. And I would come out, Sarah, and I just would feel energized, which is counterintuitive because usually when you go into the heat, you kind of feel sleepy. But with the sauna, I would just suddenly feel like this rush of mental clarity. I'd feel like my old self again my circulation would be moving. And so that was super healing. I also tried some homeopathic remedies and I also started taking this uh, mushroom immune blend capsules. They're uh, host defense. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know Paul Stamets work with mushrooms. So uh, those have been really helpful for me too, just in maintaining my, my health. Yeah, that's awesome. So it sounds like you were raised in a pretty like holistic, or at least you chose to, to, you know, choose more holistic medicine. So was the emotional side of healing always emphasized or what eventually led you down that road? I think that we are presented with the challenges and the lessons that we need to learn in life. And the more people I talk to with chronic illness, I hear the story over and over again from people saying, well, this, this has taught me to slow down, or this has taught me to honor my body, to honor my feelings, to not exert my will over everything. A lot of people who are, tend to be control freaks will come down with chronic illness. Um, so yeah, I think, I think these things find us out of necessity and that's really you almost don't have a choice. Yeah. You have to do the personal work because you, you can't get up some days and, and that's uncomfortable and you have to be with that. 
Mm -hmm. That message is like literally a billboard. <laughs> like when you wake up in the morning uh, on your ceiling, it's like, listen to me, like here I am. And the body's so innately just why there's so much wisdom within us, right? That mm -hmm. um, our body's constantly sending us these messages. But when we're the control freak or the perfectionist or the people pleaser, it's like we ignore the messages and we, you know, are so much in our routine and our habit. And, and then all of a sudden it's all piled up and we feel like shit because we haven't been listening to those little messages and then there it is so this big freaking billboard right that's like yeah. hey girl like you're you have to stop you have to stop you have to listen to me we i'm not giving you a choice uh and then through that healing right we start to uncover and and really uproot some of those things we needed to to listen to or to hear from the beginning i know i experienced that so um Let's talk about this vision quest. What led you to, to go to that? Was that part of the emotional healing for you? Certainly, certainly it was. And again, this was in the midst of the job transition and kind of figuring out that I had to redesign my life. I no longer had the energy to be working these 60 or 70 hour, week, hour weeks taking care of other people's children. And I have been working either in education or in childcare for so long, I just... I didn't even know what to do with myself. And, uh, you know, around that same time, this was probably th only three months after my diagnosis. So I'm dealing, I'm on, I'm on the doxycycline. I'm dealing with what's going on in my body. I'm trying to keep up with this heavy schedule. And then um, my father actually had an incident on the snowboarding hill where he collided with someone else and he ruptured a cyst in his brain and had to be rushed in for emergency brain surgery. And at that point, I hit pause on everything that was going on in my life, including the job that I was working in. I went home to be with him. And thank goodness everything panned out with him and he's fully recovered. But what that situation gave me was an opportunity to really actually reflect back on myself and realize, wow, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. you know? And it, and it's funny, we do that. Like we only, we sometimes need permission to look after ourselves. When it's someone else, it seems totally fine, but right. it really wasn't until I stopped on behalf of someone else that I could see that I needed to heal. Mm -hmm. So I was in this kind of limbo. My dad has now fully recovered. I didn't have the energy to go back to what I was doing. And I didn't know what to do. I was completely at a loss. I was at a crossroads and I was frustrated. I had anger over this disease. I wanted my body to be back the way that it was. Uh, people would just tell me to will myself out of it and think positively. And I just, you know, <laughs> you want to punch them in the face. But you don't. You just, not helping. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so hard to explain to someone who's not experiencing it. And so, um, I was speaking with a dear friend and I said, listen, I need to do something. I need, I need something drastic here, but I didn't want to go on a yoga retreat. I didn't, I didn't want it to be easy. And this friend said to me, oh, you need a vision quest. And I said, yeah, wait, what, what's a vision quest? What's a vision quest? What's, what's, I don't even know what that is, but it sound, it just, it struck a chord. It was like a tuning fork vibrating within me where I was just like, yes this, whatever she just said, resounding yes from, from my heart. 
So I looked into it and three weeks later, I ended up in the desert in California uh, with this giant pack of uh, camping gear. I had never done anything like this before. It was a 10 day program. There were five women. We spent three days just showing up and arriving and meeting with the group, talking about why we had come, what our intentions were, going over basic safety, being in the wilderness, because uh, we were in the high, high desert mountains, um, the Inyo Mountains in California. Mm-hmm. And then we prepared for our three-day solo in yeah. which we would go off totally by ourselves with no tent. We would have a tarp and a rope and we would be fasting, water fasting for three days. And that seemed really daunting. I'd never really fasted before. I also didn't know how my body would respond to this being that I had been so sensitive and controlling with my diet and my energy was already not great. I wondered, could I even do this? Could I even, and what, what happened if something went wrong and I didn't feel good and I was lying in the desert alone with no one, you know, the closest person was probably a mile away from me in their own solo camp. And so, so yeah, that, that was the introduction to, to going on the vision quest. Mm -hmm. That's, that's takes so much courage and bravery. I think, I, I think even the fears that you were just mentioning are fears I would absolutely have too, is like, like I have this very specific way I eat and the amount of rest I get every night and the comfort of my bed, you know, it's just also, out of of the comfort zone so gosh yeah i just so much bravery to do that so during those those three days didn't you have aha moments what came up for you yeah what i was finding was at first a lot of deep discomfort because you think about how we go throughout our day kind of grasping at the next thing or pushing away uncomfortable things and it's this push pull rushing rushing well I'm too busy for this and that what time is it okay I'm running late gotta prepare this food gotta buy stuff to prepare food gotta think about what to make for dinner so suddenly you're in the desert you're not eating and no one's around and you have no work to do there's this silence that's there that is so palpable and so weighted at first and it took me almost an entire day to stop trying to figure out what time it was you know i would look at the sun and i do this thing where you measure with your fists to see one fist is like one hour and i was trying to calculate what (laughs) you know what what time is it and then i was just like hallie doesn't matter you're you're on spirit time right now yeah and you just need to be here. You have nowhere to be. Well, what time do I go to bed? And I was like, well, when I get tired, even if the sun's still up, doesn't matter. And I'm just going to try and reconnect with the rhythms of the earth. And I'll probably wake up with the sun and go to bed with the sun mm-hmm. and just be. So that was, that was unique. And certainly a lot of the shadow work, the stuff started to come up the 
emotions I had suppressed, I would be sitting there and suddenly a person would pop into my mind that I'd not thought of in years. And I would realize, oh, you have some work to do surrounding this relationship or this person or, oh, you have a lot of anger. So I started to just create little rituals for myself on the mountain. You know, I was, had all these stones and I was naming different stones um, according to things maybe I had been challenged with before, like um, vanity or ego or things I wanted to let go of and I would smash them off the side of the mountain. Mm -hmm. And there were days I just sat up there and sobbed. <laughs> Part of it's just you're exhausted, you're hungry. You're like, why did I do this? What did I get myself into? And the emotion just comes up. It's like opening Pandora's box. Yeah. I love that. It's the, It really provided, it sounds like, just this, this outlet for you to express yourself and to not even have any expectations of what would, you needed to accomplish in those, those days by yourself, but simply to just feel and to be present with yourself, which can be so terrifying for so many of us because we pack our schedule and I'm guilty of this myself. I, you know, I wake up in the morning and I have every hour of my day planned. And like you said, even if, even if it was just, you know, going to the grocery store, getting food, having meals ready, but also, you know, for me, it's like having my clients and just having our days so jam packed, but then you go out there and there's this stillness and the silence that just, you don't know what's going to come up. And I think that does terrify so many people, but it also is an opportunity for that outlet, right? For us to be like, Oh, I'm holding all of this anger towards my mom or my brother, you know, like in letting yourself actually feel that instead of just, you know, autopilot, go, 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 like just total zombie mode. So when you, I'm interested in a couple of things first, when you then came back to, you know, like hashtag real life, you know, like, was there almost like a little bit of that, like culture shock? Like what was, how did you then take what you experienced and all that outlet of like letting go and feeling and being raw it by yourself in the wilderness to then bringing it back home? Mm, that's a great question. Um, what being on the mountain taught me was to just be comfortable being uncomfortable mm -hmm. and touching in with my pain and letting it be real for me and not shaming myself for feeling it, not trying to push it away and realizing that I was not the only one feeling this much pain, that everyone struggles in life. We all have pain, deep emotional pain. I've yet to meet one person who hasn't suffered in some way. We are all suffering. So to acknowledge that and to try and infuse my life with reminders of that, it changed everything. It changed the way that I created relationships, that I gre greeted people on the street because I was able to see others as more real and as true 3D beings who were going through the same sort of suffering that I was. So in a way, it, it made me for, form this more bonded connection, I think, to, to all that is and all of humanity, yeah. really. 
So you had your Lyme diagnosis before this vision quest. And so did you feel like it changed your relationship to illness at all? Absolutely. And I spent a lot of time intentionally on the mountain asking spirit, asking the universe, teach me, like teach me about this Lyme. Like why did this come into my life and what, what are the lessons that I need to learn? And again, some of the things we already talked about is control because I definitely have an I have, and I've always had this perfectionist streak in me where I just want everything to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And life said, no, it's not going to be. It's going to be ugly and messy and beautiful in all of that. So yeah, that was, that was definitely something that, that shifted. I feel like everyone needs those at least three days of silence a year, you know, just to be able, regardless of whether you have chronic illness or not, just to like be with your, I'm, I just, even hearing your voice and the ener your energy as you speak about that experience, I'm like, I want that. I want to go and be quiet and just be with myself. Even like, I honestly, it also scares the shit out of me, but I, I think that we could all gain something beautiful from that silence and just giving ourselves three days a year, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I'd love to, to also talk about how, I think you agree with me here that chronic illness can be a little bit of that catalyst for spiritual awakening and really starting to come home to yourself and our, our innate intuitive beings, like who, who we were, were born to be. Can you talk a little bit about a chronic illness as a catalyst for spiritual awakening? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it goes back to um, what we were saying before, where it's that moment. It's that like you're being slapped in the face with something unexpected unexpected because before that you're kind of chugging along in life, checking off boxes on to-do lists, hitting milestones and markers. And then when you are <laughs> hit with this, it's like a spiritual car crash mm -hmm. and you crack wide open and it shatters everything you thought you had going. And then you have to slowly learn to rebuild. And it takes way, way longer than you want it to. Mm -hmm. It always will. Yeah. And again, it's being, being comfortable with the discomfort and inviting it in, really, really inviting it in and say like this too, this has a place here in, in my learning and in my life journey. I see so many women in this field, the community of, of autoimmune disease, and, and there's so many beautiful things about it. And we've, we've come together and, and women are more impacted um, as a percentage than men with autoimmune disease. And so there's a lot of sisterhood in this like just community, but I also see so many women who only see the, whatever their diagnosis is as this physical thing right? This, um, you know, whatever that, that imbalances in their body or the body attacking itself. And I think that what we're, what we're discussing now is so 
often let left out of the conversation that there's also this invitation to crack yourself open and to get really fucking real and have just sit with okay you know what is what are the deeper layers of myself uh where am i holding on to anger and how how is this coming up in an emotional energetic way as well as uh imbalance in your thyroid for example right so yeah. you also brought up that um, depression and chronic illness tend to be best friends. And I'd love for you to just explain to the listeners what you mean by this. And I know actually a lot of the women in my community have talked about mental health, depression specifically, anxiety, et cetera. Uh, but I know that they don't want, and I don't want to think that, oh, you have chronic illness, you also have to have mental health issues, right? Like that's, that's also not true. So when you say that depression and chronic illness do tend to be friends, what do you mean? I mean that, um, in my experience, chronic illness opens up the possibility for this sense of a, a loss of control. Mm -hmm. And when you feel like nothing is going your way, and you're a victim, and you just have to sit there and take what life has dealt you. You've been dealt this unfair hand of this illness that you know apparently has no cure and is all very mysterious. That is a huge shot to your ego and to your confidence. Um, suddenly, you know, people people are inviting you out to things, but you just don't have the energy to go, so you end up staying home more. Your body isn't looking as good. You know, it feels yucky and swollen and flabby and just not beautiful. And so it's, it's the slow descent. You, you, you almost, for me at least, I didn't even know I was depressed until I was already there. It's like the slow slide into it. And then, whoa, it had become a problem. And, um, but again... I bless that dark time. This, and this was after Vision Quest, actually. Um, those dark, dark times, I became completely vulnerable because I had to be, because there was nothing left in me. And all those people that I was angry with, you know, if I had little things with my parents or with friends, or if I was flawed in any way, I had no problem all of a sudden just calling myself out and saying, listen, I am not in a good way right now. Mm -hmm. I really need help. And before my ego was too big, I was like, no, I've, I've got this. I've got this under control. I can do this. I can handle this. And suddenly I just said, no, I'm not okay. And in doing that, there was this huge, beautiful release. And I allowed the universe to like a river carry this stream of supportive people and build this community around me because I allowed myself to be held. I stopped pushing people away and that's ultimately the only thing that pulled me out of it. I was just gonna ask you because like I said I, I've heard so many women 
be vulnerable in saying that they struggle with depression. Uh, and if you've heard my story, I lost a brother to suicide who, who he struggled with depression and it's, it's, it's rampant, right? Even we just saw, you know, in, in the news and in, in the media, the loss of two you know, people who we thought had everything, Kate Spade, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, right? And I think that that is always just a little bit of this reality check for the whole world. Uh, so I was going to ask you what, for the people who are struggling, you know, what, what can they do? And it sounds like part of your solution was really just allowing yourself to be held and, and uh, telling the ego to shut up too, right? <laughs> yeah. Or just waiting until the ego quiets itself because there's nothing else to do. I mean, really it's that idea of of rock bottom. And I feel like I definitely hit it at one point. And I remember days where I just wanted someone to ask me if I was okay mm -hmm. so that I could tell them, no, I'm not. But I, we try to hide this because it's not socially appropriate or maybe it comes across as melodramatic because one minute you might feel fine. That's how depression can often work. You have a great day and then you have a bad day and you have another great day. So there's these swings with it. And I was embarrassed. I didn't want to keep calling my parents and saying how sad I felt again and again and again. I just wanted to be independent and I was frustrated with myself that I didn't feel like I could at that point. So one, you know, one thing I started doing was when I really wanted someone to ask me if I was okay, I would intentionally take out my phone or go out into the street or meet friends and ask them if they were okay. Mm -hmm. and I would say, hey, how can I support you in your life? What can I do to make your life better right now? Mm -hmm. And people were really taken aback by that. I don't think we're used to people so pointedly asking us, what we need, but in some strange way, me flipping that need and using, you know, reflecting it back on, on people I cared about helped me feel just a little bit lighter. Like I could get through the day because I had a purpose. And oftentimes when I would ask people what they needed, they might reciprocate and ask me what I needed. And it was just enough to get, to get me through. I love that we're having this conversation right now because I think it's one that there's not a lot of transparency around and that people are ashamed of or they, they feel that inner shame or I shouldn't feel this way. I didn't have trauma or, you know, like, why am I, why do I feel this way? And I, I can just see as people will be listening to this, a lot of them shaking their head and really resonating with what you have to say and appreciating your transparency and your vulnerability here to say, I was not okay. And I, I had to let go of the ego to, to and then go, go outside too, right? And, and find you know friends and family to say, ask them, what can I do to support you? Are you okay? What do you need from me? I think that's a beautiful first step. Obviously, it's a very complicated uh, issue and, and a conversation we could go into for hours, but uh, I, love, I love that piece of advice, and I hope that the listeners take that home with them today. I, I'd also love to ask you a little bit about this, this 
shift and this turn that you took in your life. So you, I think you said you were, you were nannying, you were in education, and then you let all that go and became an entrepreneur. And I know that there's also women listening who either are dreaming of doing that, or maybe they're in the starting stages of that and going, oh my God, what did I just do? So can you tell us a little bit about that part of your story? Absolutely. So uh, after Vision Quest, I got back to New York. I spread out my journals. I've been keeping journals since I was eight years old. And I just dove in and started reading about myself back from my childhood. And I wanted to get to know my inner child. Who was Hallie and, and what did she have to offer to the world? What was going to be my next step? And I ended up coming across this journal entry from when I was about 14, 15, and I first started my period. And I came across this beautiful little writing in my you know, 14-year-old handwriting talking about how my mom was so excited that I was starting my period. She told me she had been waiting for this moment her whole life because I was her only biological uh, daughter. Mm-hmm. And she told me all these amazing stories about womanhood, what, you know, what it meant. She talked about Native American cultures, Aboriginal cultures, the Moon Lodge, uh, the Red Tent, sort of this idea of women and community. And uh, when you're menstruating, it being this time to, to tap into this wild beauty or this this goddess self that is within all of us and, and we can access our our gifts it's a time where we're most aligned with spirit so here I was 14 15 so excited to start my period and I think that that is a very atypical experience for for most girls you know and boys uh, when it comes to puberty but you think back in puberty is an awkward time we feel a lot of shame embarrassment I know from personal experience that um, the sex education programs in schools tend to be a little bit clinical and anatomical, and they don't have this beautiful lyrical narrative um, aspect to them or the sense of cultural responsibility of what it means to become a man or a woman like some other cultures do. So um, I read this journal entry and I thought, oh, I wonder if there's something out there, something to celebrate young women as they transition into womanhood. I wonder if there's a gift box for first, for first periods out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what I created. I started a girls empowerment company called Lunar Wild. And we make these period gift boxes. It's essentially like a treasure chest of everything that a girl might need when she starts her period. You know, there's all organic um, pads and tampons in there. There's reusables. So a menstrual cup, a cloth pad. I really wanted girls to be able to try whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, because all of our bodies are all different. And I think it's important to present people with choices. And then of course there's like, salts and a candle and uh, chocolate and other things to kind of honor your moon time. Mm-hmm. So that's what I started. <laughs> yeah, I just hearing your experience with your mother, I find that to be so beautiful and to just to really tap into that energy of celebrating menstruation. Uh, I think um, definitely you're the minority in that, like you mentioned, I don't think that's everyone's experience. And I, it wasn't my experience, right? So my experience was more, um, 
here's a tampon, <laughs> go try it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember like putting in my first tampon and walking out of the bathroom and be like, mom, I did it. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, what's it like? And I'm like, it hurts. And she's like, you didn't put it in all the way. <laughs> and then I went back in the bathroom and I tried again. And that, but that was really it. I mean, she was very supportive as far as like having the products I needed when it was that, when I start, did start menstruating around like 14. Um, but it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I knew anything, anything girl about the, the, how our cycles can sink to the moon. Um, um, like being a, a red moon, um, or a white moon or, uh, the, just the red tent ceremonies and just like how sacred your cycle can be. And I spent my entire like puberty teenage years on the birth control pill. Well, really every form of birth control, not just the pill and hating my period and doing anything and everything I could to not have a period, like being on the, um, hormonal IUD at one point, being on the shot at one point where I just didn't have period. I thought it was like the best freaking thing in the world. And I was like, I don't have period. This is awesome. And now I'm like, oh my God, like now I like cherish that time of month. I know my body better. I'm in sync. My womb is open and it's like open for creative energy and receiving energy. And so that my experience just, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily like go back and change it all. But there's so much that I know now that I did not know then. So I love that you created this. And I'd love to hear a little bit about you and your personal experience with your own cycle. Like, how do you tap into that? And I mean, obviously, this is something that has been um, a little bit of it defining for you, right? Like the way that your mom did have this conversation with you defined how you saw or even had the relationship with your body and yourself the rest of your life. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, where to start with that? Um, well, it's astonishing to me. And I, I love what you were saying about all that, all the knowledge that you've come into. I was just nodding the entire time with everything that you were saying, because it's very similar for me. And I, I did, even though I had such a beautiful entry into womanhood, I did a lot of this discovery only again, uh, in my later twenties. So I really feel like, why are we not presenting this information younger? Just think of what that could do to raise the vibration of an entire generation of young women Mm-hmm. Um, who if, can fearlessly just walk in and announce themselves and take up space in the world with pride and loving, you know, start off loving their bodies instead of having to remediate it uh, later in life. So mm-hmm. uh, it, just like you, I dabbled with um, all sorts of different kinds of birth control. And personally, I had a terrible experience. I was really sensitive hormonally to what was going on and tried many different types. And the last type that I tried was the, the depo shot. Mm-hmm. So just like you, I wasn't getting periods and you know what, funny enough or not funny enough, I guess I went about an entire year without getting my cycle uh, after getting off that. And I had never felt less like a woman in my life. I was so 
out of touch. I didn't feel creative. I didn't, I physically wasn't flowing. So it didn't feel like my chi or my energy was flowing either. Um, I've just felt very detached from the cycles of nature. So it took just about as much remediation as it took to figure out the Lyme stuff. I'm still in the process of, of balancing my cycle and learning, you know, about seed cycling or um, how to treat my body during, uh, during menstruation instead of just trying to, you know, stick a tampon in and like rush about my day like normal. It's no, this is really a time to darken the room, you know, be in cozy clothes, take a bath, rest, eat nourishing, hearty foods, even if I feel fat and bloated ignore that, give my body what it needs. So it's still a process and I'm learning every day. Yeah, me too. I, um, I just want, I had the copper IUD cause I, you know, discovered that I did not want to be on synthetic hormones probably about five years ago, but then I, then I chose the copper IUD thinking, and I've told the story on the podcast before, but just wanting to have a non-hormonal option, which then turned out to not be the best option for me. And I've now I'm detoxing from heavy metals like copper uh, and, and really starting to tap into what is my natural rhythm? What is my natural cycle? And uh, I'm not quite synced up to the moon yet, <laughs> but I was um, before. So I know it, it'll start to come, you know, come back and it's ever shifting for me, but it's so much, it's fun. Like it can be fun. And I think that these, you know, I love that you said it's like a treasure chest that, that the, um, these young girls will receive from you to, to be able to celebrate and just like understand um, even some of the story, I don't know if you include any of like the, the story or history around just like women, sisterhood, red tent, but maybe that even if it's not in there, like it then provides like an opportunity for mothers or fathers to have that conversation with their children. So I love that so much. Thank you. Yeah. So we're at the top of our time, Hallie. Would you love to share anything else with our listeners? There's anything that you want them to take home with them today? I guess uh, for those experiencing chronic illness or any sort of um, depression, anxiety, I would encourage you to just um, hang in there. Ask what's going on, uh, why it's there and what it has to teach you. Try not to get frustrated with how long the process is taking. And um, in the moments that you feel like you can't love yourself, go out and love others. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love your energy. <laughs> Be around you all day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, no, serious. So where can people find you on all of the interwebs and social media? Yay. Yeah. So you can find um, me on Instagram at Lunar Wild or you can find the first period gift box and also other things like we sell moon calendars for tracking your cycle. Wait, you can yes. find. I just <laughs> saw that today and I'm definitely <laughs> <that> one. <laughs> cool. Great. Um, so all those are on uh, lunarwild.com and then we're also on Facebook slash lunarwild. Awesome. So yeah, everyone definitely go check out Hallie and Lunar Wild on social media. Like I said, I'm definitely buying these moon calendar, moon cycle calendars. It's like you can like, you fill in the, um, yes, there's little bubbles and you can track your blood moons and 
so freaking <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you again so much for being on today. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode with Hallie from Lunar Wild. You can find out more about Hallie in the show notes and make sure to follow her on social media. If you are someone who has a powerful story to share with the world and you want to inspire others to heal, then I have a unique opportunity for you today. Right after we finished recording this podcast, I actually logged into my podcast account and realized that we hit 10,000 downloads for this podcast. I had a little bit of a dance (laughs) at home in my office, and then I went and I posted a quote on Instagram, and it said, you don't need to be perfect to inspire others. Let people get inspired by how you deal with your imperfection. I was called to share this quote because none of this would exist. Autoimmune tribe would not exist if all those silly little things that I thought were way bigger than they were had held me back. And I share this with you today because I hope you realize that you don't have to be perfect to start. Just start. Go. Do. Create. Sing. Write. Post. Share. But start now. You have so much value to offer this world, and if you want help finding clarity and discovering what that value you have to offer really is, then I invite you to book a one-hour coaching consultation with me to learn more about my business coaching intensive. This is for the woman who wants to share her story, to leave her full-time job that's draining her, and start seeing her community grow exponentially. So I am here for you. Click the link in the show notes to book your one hour coaching consultation and I'll see you in the next episode.